Section 2 of The Black Cat, Volume 2, Number 1, October 1896. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Black Cat, Volume 2, Number 1, October 1896, Section 2, In the Garden of a Villa, by R. George Smith, Jr. Wake up, wake up, you lazy fellow, and sing a howdy-do to the sun. He is already above La Falterona, chapped Signora Nina to her husband. You are growing so lazy that no one would ever take you for a lark. Only those fast owls and nightingales after carousing all night indulge in such indolent habits. But you, a lark, it is really too shameful. Up! Why am up, my dear little wife? And I bet that I shall beat you to the edge of that high branch, peeped lazy people. This bit of scolding and happy reply may have disturbed the slumbers of the birds in the immediate neighborhood. Less active and ambitious than these larks, but not so much as the brilliant song which burst from the ruffled throat of the offending one in a maternal welcome to the glorious glow of light crowning the mountain's height. For people had won the wager, being the first to light upon a topmost branch of the tree under which they had a cozy and comfortable nest in the beautiful garden of the villa of the Duke de la Nile near Florence. Phew! That made me pretty dry, Nina, chapped people as his song ended, he tilted, panting, on the swaying branch. Come, let us wet our whistles with a nice dew cocktail. Your first thought in the morning and the last at night is of something to drink. What will become of you? I expect to see you fall off your patch some day. Still, if you must drink, it is best that you should do so in good company. So I'll drink with you this time if you will promise to fetch me a nice fat one for breakfast. Come, let's take our bath first, then the cocktails. No, Nina, here are two big ones already made. We'll have this and find two more after the dip to take the chill off, you know. People, you are going to the bath first. Don't you know that two cocktails are quite insidious? Insidious? That's the hen of it. Anything with cocktail to eat is insidious. Why, dew is the most innocent thing one can drink. It comes right out of the sky. That is all right if you will drink the dew on the flowers and grass in the garden. But you must always fly away somewhere to sip it off immediately. You are very unsophisticated yet, my dear. That is not a dew cocktail. That is a creme de menthe. The best cocktails are found in a rye field. Last summer, down at the seashore, Spezia, you know, I was chapping with a girl who had been all over the world, and he said the finest cocktail he ever tasted was a dewdrop taken from a railroad up in the air over in New York, and it was called a Manhattan cocktail. He said that one morning he took three or four before breakfast and flew out over the bay, but he couldn't catch a fish. The water kept going around and around until he thought it all a big whirlpool. Then his wings dropped and he fell. 
luckily on a boat where he was picked up and locked up in the dark room oh he was a girl wasn't he you did not go around with him much did you people come nina here goes here is a long life and a merry one down their thirsty little gullets ran the popular cocktails and then they blinked at each other gave a little chirp and flew away to a shaded brook for a morning splash the first year of wedded life was nearly ended and this pair still twittered continual assurances of devotion and sang pretty compliments to each other they teased each other in all manner of ways just for the fun of making up in the morning one might have seen them flying together over the beauteous valdiani resting on david's head then on the palazzo vecchio's green turret winging slowly their flight through the cool logatio of the uffizi over the arno again to the boboli gardens to call on some aristocratic lack ladies and to gossip about everybody from the royal hambat and his spouse to the wicked nightingales who had invaded the boboli and were bringing disrepute this haughty swelldom by lowering there in the dead of night all the gay young birds of florence then after a delicate spider leg and an insinuating grape served in an outstretched hand of some lovely apollo they would dart away to the garden of the villa up on the hill near san miniato this morning people brought home as a token of his love a big fat worm which nina laid on a fresh olive leaf with some crumbs from the duchess's window at the villa the fresh morning air the cocktails and the bath gave them a keen appreciation of this dainty digiano and nina in a most joyous mood peeped above this thing and that until people could not refrain from exclaiming good heavens nina how can you chop so long with your inside so full of warm if you don't stop you'll be sick of course i am glad we were born birds instead of people especially lax we are the swagger set way up you know we swing superbly we dine well we wear plain feathers but we hope and fly with an aristocratic grace and the only play bent thing we do is to get up early in the morning and i am trying to break down that bit of traditional nonsense and oh do you know the girl told me that in america a man who went around having a good time drinking cocktails and staying in bed late in the morning and staying up late at night eating fine suppers and doing all such nice things is called a bird and is said to fly high funny isn't it i wish you had never met that girl he has put bad ideas into your head by the by people the duchess at the villa is an american and is a very good and beautiful woman too we are deeply in her debt for the delicious crumbs we have to eat i often see her sleeping when i go to her window in the morning she sleeps all alone people do you suppose that she and the duke do not love each other oh how unhappy i should be if you were not in the nest with me every night when it is dark and silent why 
You are actually asleep when I am chattering love to you. Excuse me, dearest. It was cruel of me to go to sleep, but that warm was so hearty, and you woke me so early, and you treated so sweetly that I lulled into a little doze. There are a dozen kisses, and forgive me. Did you ever fly after the Duke people? Do you know where he goes? The Duchess is so kind, so beautiful. I hope she is not unhappy. Yes, I have followed him a few times. It is great sport. Why, what do you mean? He is a bird and flies high, as a girl would say. And I hear lots about him at the club, which wouldn't interest you. Poor Duchess. No love in her nest. I'm afraid it is feathered with banknotes instead. And Nina's bright eyes soften as she nestled a moment close to her mate. That same afternoon, Nina made a wonderful discovery. After a long flight over a lovely country, she alighted for a moment's rest upon a long wire, which was stretched between two high poles. To her amazement, a delicious thrill went through her little body, causing her to peep most hilariously. Soon she became conscious of certain impressions, not unlike those conveyed by human speech. Out of the strange mixture of clicks and buzzes, she could even make out whole sentences. The new ballet at Gate great success. Wild excitement on the booth. Q and Z fallen two points. Gilda won the Grand Prix. His Holiness is slightly improved. Madame la Comtesse X gave a dinner in honor of the Duke de Lanille. What could it all mean? With her head whirling with this rush of words, she flew to her home in the garden of the villa to divulge the discovery of this wonderful entertaining patch to people. To be still further excited by his patronizing explanation that this was an electrical device by which people communicated with each other and whose wires encircled the whole world. Indeed, so delighted and fascinated was Nina with these electrical patches. Once foolishly shunned in her preference for trees and statues, that now, when her husband was spending an hour or two on the window sills and porticos of a fashionable club in the Palazzo Pucci, chirping, spots, why the gay young lags who frequented those select quarters? She was very sure to be found tilting on the telltale telegraph wire. The exhaustless stock of gossip which she gathered therefrom created no end of amusement and hilarity, and she soon found herself the most important personage in the Bobolis smart set. Notwithstanding the daily indulgence in this pastime and the social demands made upon her, Nina did not neglect her early duties, and every morning she made her errand to the villa for crumbs at the Duchess's window, but at such an early hour that she invariably found the Duchess asleep, and although the Duchess was a lovely picture soul, her beautiful face against the pillow, her hair a golden halo, and a fair white arm framing them both in a graceful oval. Nina longed to see her awake. At last, her tiny brain evolved an idea which would have done people credit. One morning, when she and people had started out to sing their daily dawn song, she feigned a weariness, 
and cunningly directing their flight to the duchess's window begged people to alight on its seal and sing their morning song from them so with their backs to the window and faces to the east they sang their song he peeping with more than his wonted brilliancy and joyousness and then away he flew leaving nina alone to watch the result of her little strategy what sleep would not be dispelled at such melody as the last glad note floated into her room the duchess stirred languidly opened her eyes and smiled her thanks to the lark on her window sill the next moment the smile faded she gazed thoughtfully at the cupids on the ceiling and then breathed a deep sigh she threw off the silken coverlet and rising wearily stood for a moment before the mirror and lifted the masses of her golden hair shimmering with the morning sunshine nina's heart stood still in her admiration of such wondrous beauty beauty almost excelling that of the venus de medici which she had once seen in the tribune of the Uffizi. wrapping about her a fleecy white gown all soft laces and ribbons the duchess sank among the turkish cushions on a divan opposite her glass and talked to herself in a low sweet tone i do not think the duchess de Lanille is any better looking than nelly nevins said the duchess to her reflected self in fact she does not look the same i have heard it said that i had such laughing eyes but i can scarcely believe it my lids droop so languidly now and then i remember i always showed my teeth when i smiled but somehow the duchess always smiles with her lips closed i had a good healthy colour red cheeks but look at me now pale as a nun i left the laughing eyes the red cheeks and the happy smiles in new york i suppose with many other things ah what a wretched bargain you made nelly Wevins, when you gave all those things for seven hollow letters listen d u c h e s s how i used to scribble them all over a blank piece of paper why don't you laugh any more nelly Nevins? i have not had a good jolly laugh from you in a year however those seven letters have made someone happy poor mother she has grown fully two inches taller since my marriage what motherly pride and delight she feels when she speaks of my daughter the duchess de Lanille. ah you happy little bird you mock me with your freedom and joyous song happiness happiness am i never to know it again is my young life to pass away without loving or being loved i must love my heart is so full of love for someone i feel i shall suffocate die unless unless i can find someone a peasant a singer a king or someone someone she buried her face in a cushion breaking out into such pitiful convulsive sobs as made nina's little heart ache yet what could she do except peep a few pitying notes and fly away to tell people of the sorrow she had found in the beautiful villa people listened attentively to her recital and sympathetically remarked yes the girl said it was an awful sight to see the shiploads of mothers leave new york 
leading their daughters to the European slave market. And many are sold too, he said. What a lot that fell on you. All comes from travelling, I suppose. If I ever meet him again, I think I shall ask him to take me on an extended trip to America, perhaps. People, mourned Nina, thinking of the deserted Duchess, I should die. Somehow, after the peep into my lady's chamber and into her heart's secret, Nina seemed depressed. She grew more pensive, more sensitive. Her notes became more feeble and plaintive, and she often spoke of the Duchess. People did not relish the change and could not understand why she grew so sad while he was feeling jollier day by day and the world was all rosy-hued. She was no more to him the joyous luck he had quoted and wedded. He felt disappointed. The sunny golden color was fading into a dirty white, he thought, but it did not occur to him that he was doing the bleaching. It was about this time that Nina observed that the daily routine was becoming less regular. People was continually finding more occasion for quenching his thirst, excusing himself to his wife on the ground that the air was so chilly, the warmth so thin and unpalatable, and so on. Then it was rumored that he frequented the restaurant at the Piazzelle Galileo, not far from where the big David overlooks the fair city, where he would hop on an unoccupied table and with a waggish air, sip a few spilled drops of charitus or maraschino. He also patronized his club more frequently, had become charming with some gay young nightingales who keep shocking hours. And alas, occasionally it was far into the dark night when he fell into the nest without a word of love and forgetting to spread his warm wing over his wife. All this, however, was changed one bright morning when with joyous peepings, Nina woke people and showed him two little eggs in the bottom of the nest. People chapped his delight and after many caresses, flew away to the Duchess's window to fetch a morsel to his dear little wife. He was happy, she was happy, and people said that even the Duchess looked happy this morning. Could she have known too and was glad? Or had she found someone to love? During the period of setting, many of the lady lacks from the Buboli called to present their congratulations and to keep Signora Nina in touch with the latest scandal and gossip. It was whispered in low tweeters that a young and good-looking American who lived in Paris was frequently seen with the Duchess and that she had such bright rosy cheeks and such a fetching smile showing the prettiest row of pearls and then her eyes laughed, saw and said such inexplicable things. But then, aristocratic lacks are abominable gossips. Probably he was her brother or a cousin from home. During the setting in the early days of the baby lack, only one had lived. People was a most devoted husband, and many times a day, brought his wife and the little one the daintiest and most nourishing food he could find and all the sunshine of the honeymoon seemed to have returned in the garden of the villa when it was considered safe to leave the baby lack alone for a little while people anxious that his wife should have some change and recreation 
decided to take her to see a spot for which he had recently developed a fondness. So one morning, they flew together over the beautiful country and they came to a peasant's garden. What a chirping and twittering, cackling and crowing. The bushes and trees were filled with excited birds of many varieties and classes, all with extended wings, endeavoring to keep an equilibrium, peeping, chirping, chattering, twittering, singing and screeching, while the walls were crowed with hens, chickens and roosters, all cackling and crowing in hilarious excitement. But to all Nina's bewildered questions, people made no answer except the injunction to watch the two gamecocks on the ground. There, in a clear space, were two big roosters flying and jumping at each other, picking at each other's eyes, plucking at each other's beautiful feathers, now bedrambled with rooster blood. Nina's heart sickened, she grew faint, and begged to be taken away to the piece of her nest. What is it all about? she chirped feebly. A cockfight, enthusiastically exclaimed people. It is great sport, isn't it? Every bird in Florence is here. It is an old, old pastime revived and again becoming popular. Quite the rage if we are the girl said. That horrid girl knows everything that is evil, said Nina with an unconcealed disgust. Oh, what a mighty noise. The crowing and cackling and chirping. The favorite has won, screeched people, flapping his wings with delight. What spot there will be at the cafe in the Piazzale Galileo this afternoon and at the club tonight? You'll excuse me for tonight, won't you, dear? People left Nina early in the afternoon that day and found his way hurriedly to his favorite haunts. A dark cloud hovered over Nina's little heart again for the first time in many weeks. The horrible sight that she had seen in the morning had sickened her. For hours, she stayed awake, waiting anxiously and apprehensively for people. But finally, her eyes blinked themselves into sleep. When she awoke at break of day, she was still alone with her baby. The little one must be fed, so she started to find a seed or a little worm. But the ground was dry and no worms were crawling about. During her search, she overheard a couple of common birds chattering, and at the mention of her name, she stopped and listened. That Signora Nina over there, in the other end of this yard, will have to come off her patch one of these days, chapter one. It will do her good, the puffed-up aristocratic, answered the other. I saw her hubby over in the Boboli last night, sky lacking with the sweetest little nightingale you ever saw. They could on Venice's too for an hour or so, and she was trying to make him sing like a nightingale. But he was so tipsy, he couldn't have seen, and then he would peep most hilariously. Poor Nina hastened back to her nest to sob. Oh, how her heart ached now. This must be what the Duchess felt when she buried her face in the cushion and sobbed so hard. I'll go to her window now and get a crown for baby and perhaps the duchess in smiles will cheer me some. The duchess's face, however, wore no smiles, nor did her eyes twinkle, neither were there roses blooming on her cheeks, but she wore such an expression as Nina had never seen, 
except in a picture of a beautiful woman at the foot of a cross one morning when she was in the pretty gallery she was pacing the room to and fro with her hands clasped and the tears streaming down her cheeks her heart must be bleeding like mine thought nina she took a crumb in her mouth and flew back to the nest where she found people in a lifeless drunken stupor unable to see or hear her where's the baby people screeched nina in an agonizing note people people wake up tell me where my darling is no answer came from him but a friendly neighbor told her the dreadful truth while she was gone her baby had tried to fly up to the first branch but its little wings were too weak and it lay on the ground dead nina's head whirled and she had hardly strength to control her wings in her terrible trouble she turned to people but it was many minutes before she could rouse him when he did awake the terrible news sobered him instantly he put his wing over his grief-stricken wife and they sobbed together finally when their grief had spent itself he flew to the boboli to inform the lark ladies of nina's affliction in order that they might offer their condolences that errand accomplished he hurried to the club to tell his friends there he was persuaded to take a few drinks and to linger longer than he had intended then he flew to tell some friends he might chance to meet at the piazel galileo where he also imbibed in the meantime nina became lonesome and resorted to the telegraph wire for distraction frank chesterfield was killed by the duke de Lanini in a duel at five this morning no sooner had nina had these words than she opened her wings and hurried home to ask people who frank chesterfield was she waited hours for him but he did not come and again frightened by the lonesomeness of her nest she hurried to the duchess's window the duchess must have fallen asleep or fainted for she lay on the floor near the divan with face upturned her white arms extended her lips slightly parted showing the pretty teeth so seldom seen a fair lovely woman nina tried to wake her by peeping a few notes but the duchess did not seem to hear them then growing braver she flew through the open window over to the duchess and kissed her on the lips they were white and cold she kissed her on the cheek and the hands they too were cold the duchess was dead suddenly the message which she had heard that morning flashed upon her the duke had killed her no he would not fight with a brother nor probably with a cousin ah the duchess had loved them what more affliction can fall upon my poor broken heart i must find people i still have him to love back she hastily flew to the nest only to find it still deserted all the long weary hours she waited and at the end of the sleepless nights she was still alone the next day about noon time she could bear the anxiety no longer and darted away towards the club in the via pucci to inquire of his chums none of them were around the windows and porticos however and she hastened to the hounds in the pezel galileo there too she found none of them but as she was very weary she rested near a table where two men were lunching said one these larks are the most delicious i have ever tasted 
They have a rare peculiar flavor of wine or liquor. How were they prepared, do you suppose? Well, I killed two birds with one stone, so to speak. I suggested to the proprietor the other day to kill some of these slugs which have been hanging about here considerably of late and serve them up to me in good style. Thereby, we rid ourselves of a nuisance and delight our palates with a delicious morsel. Good, don't you think? The trees and tables and houses and horses and carriages whirled around and around. She flew. She knew not where. Not to the sunlight, for she could not sing her little note. Not to the boboli, for she could not chatter. Not to her nest. No, no, not there. She wanted to die, but did not know how. End of section 2